0: to work through John chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, we're working through John 17. This is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Uh, And we are at a section, and this is a beautiful passage of Scripture, because we actually see Jesus praying for us today, for you and for me. So what is it that Jesus would have on his heart to go to the Father on our behalf with? What is the greatest desire of Jesus for those who would believe in the apostolic uh, gospel message as it, as it is sent forth? We think about John 17, and we think about John 17 being broken up uh, in three different sections, verses 1 through 5. Jesus speaks about himself and about the glory, that he would be glorified, that the Father would be glorified through him, and, and that everyone would, would manifest the glory of God. In in verses 16 through 19, what we find in this next section is him praying for the disciples, those whom he had been with, not only maybe the 11, but also those who he had met in his journey through the the gospel of John and in in his ministry. And then we find here a specific prayer, a specific um, section of verses from verses 20 through 26. And what these tell us is that Jesus is concerned about You know, several things, but there is one overarching issue that he is concerned about for the church in the future, or quite frankly, us today. And that issue is one of unity. One of unity with the gospel message. And what we find is that there are many churches um, scattered around the world, but also within the United States, That there is not a spirit of unity, but there is contention and strife and difficulty. And what does it mean for us to be unified? Because we also believe this, that there is not meant to be uniformity in the midst of unity, but rather we want to see unity in the midst of diversity. Because we all have different gifts, right? If we were all gifted the same way, then all of you would be up here preaching, right? Or all of us would be you know, playing the piano or playing the guitar. We would all have the same gifts. So we see all of these different gifts that occur. And yet what, what happens sometimes when we have different gifts, we have different perspectives, and you wrap all of that up in the midst of our own sinful tendencies, and then you have disunity in the body of Christ. And it's, it's very discouraging to walk into a body of believers, and to to know that there's disunity that abounds. Um, It's very difficult. So I want you to, I'm going to read all of John 17 as a unit, and I want you to especially look into John 17, verse 20, with this idea of unity. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. "'Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. "'Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. "'For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, "'and have come to know in truth that I came from you. "'And they have believed that you sent me. "'I'm praying for them. "'I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours.' They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am But the word of the Lord remains forever. So the idea of unity. Let me pray. Father, as we come into your presence, Father, we are grateful that we get to come to the throne room of grace. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would unify us in purpose that our understanding of the gospel of who Jesus is, we would be unified, that he is our savior, that he is the prophet, priest, and king that we need, that he is the atoning sacrifice for all of our sins. And Father, I pray, Lord, that in the midst of this, this sermon, really, about unity, that you would unify us. So, Father, help me to be clear. Father, help those who are listening to be teachable and attentive to your word. Father, would you bring about humility in the midst of the body of Christ? Father, would you help us? And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me, let me work our way through John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. Here is what we, we find. Uh, first, unity. How are the Father and the Son together in unity? So we see this idea that the, the, the Son of God, Jesus, is actually asking us the model of unity is a Trinitarian unity for us that we are called to be connected and that the prayer of Jesus on behalf of those who would believe in the apostolic message as it goes forth into the, the future, into the history of man, is that we would be connected in a similar way that the Trinity is connected together. And I look at that and I go, how can that be? How can we be so connected to one another That Jesus prays that we would be unified together with one purpose in such a way that the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are connected to one another. So let me me give you the the nature of this unity, um, and let's kind of work through it a little bit. First, we find that within the unity um, of the Father and the Son, and again, that unity between the Father and the Son, which is meant for us to also have and to emulate And to model ourselves and our unity after is this, that it is a deep communal fellowship between the Father and the Son. You know, when Jesus um, had difficulty, when there was, you know, when he was weary, when he was tired, he would often withdraw to quiet places and he would go to pray. And the reason that he would pray was because he wanted to have time with his Father, That he wanted to spend time with his father. That Jesus, throughout the Gospels, we see this over and over again, that there was this yearning for communion with the father and this relationship of, of connectedness. Now, in the same way, that is the prayer, or at least an aspect of the prayer, when Jesus says, I want them to be one. I want their lives to be intertwined with one another. Like I want them to, to rejoice with those who rejoice. When we have children in the midst of the, of, of the church, when we see new birth and we see life, and we see the joys of life, we should as a collective unit be joyful. Like the, the joys of our brothers and sisters in Christ are meant to be our joys as well. And in a similar way, when there is difficulty and there is distress and when there is, you know, um, just trials, those are meant to be shared by the body of Christ. And there is meant to be this this communal aspect that, that we become the family of God for one another. And what I mean by that is this, is that when you are hurting or suffering, then all of us should, should feel that and rally around you in such a way that you feel the love of Christ. And that that rather, in, in the midst of, of difficulty, because here's what I see sometimes, is when people have difficulty, rather than bringing their difficulty to their brothers and sisters to pray for and to help, sometimes they will actually withdraw. And they want to do it all on their own. And and. And what we find in this prayer of unity, this deep communion between Father and Son, is that we are meant to bring our burdens to one another so that we can share them as the body of Christ. Are we humble enough that when we need help, we'll actually get on the phone and call a friend to pray? Or maybe we're unable to do something for ourselves. Do we call the church and say, I need help. Can you please help? help me. And then, when the help cry goes out, are we a church that actually responds with the love and grace and mercy of Jesus? I mean, that's the gospel call. Now, so that's the first aspect of that, you know, that that there's a deep communal fellowship between the Father and Son. Now, that deep communal fellowship also means that we'd love to be together, So what I mean by that is, like, when when the doors of the church are open for worship, we love coming together and worshiping together. I mean, I I think about um, Sunday morning, and for me anyway, I mean, I think about Sunday morning as being the highlight of our weeks. Like, it is preparing us for heaven— it is the closest thing that we will probably get to. I mean, this is when we think about communion, we think about you know, baptism, we think about the signs and seals, we think about the right preaching of the word, we think about prayer, all of these things that we, we get to do together and singing together. I mean, there's, um, I mean, how many of you are glad that you don't have to sing by yourself at a worship service of one? I mean, I, when, we, when COVID was happening and people were singing at home, I mean, I mean, some of you sang, right? but some of you did not. Because you know that your family, the people who love you the most are supposed to, would actually hear your voice and you didn't want to sing, right? But when you come collectively, I mean, those of us who only add volume to the nature of the worship service get to add our volumes to the voice of the family of God and there's something joyful about that. There's this this yearning to be together there's this yearning to break bread with one another. There's this, this communal thing that's happening. And what Jesus is saying is, he goes, I want that for the body of Christ. You know, we are not meant to be islands off on our own. You know, every Christian needs the body of Christ, needs the church. Secondly, we see that this union with one another is this unbreakable Union. Again, when, when we think about this idea of, of, of unity, um, I'm just amazed when I look at verses 20 through 26, when, when we speak about, you know, that they may all be one. Look at verse 21. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. There's this, this aspect of you know the Father, Son, and, and we really don't see the Spirit. We see the Spirit in, in other places in the Farewell discourse, you know, John chapter 13 through 16 about what the Spirit's role is, and you can go back and look at those things. But there's this, this unity that happens within the Trinity that is unbreakable. And in the same way, we are meant to come together and we are meant to have a fellowship that is not meant to be broken. Now The difficulty there, and you've seen this, is that sometimes, um, I don't know if you've experienced this, sometimes your feelings get hurt in the midst of the church. I mean, if you're around the church long enough, you somebody's gonna let you down, somebody's gonna hurt your feelings, somebody's gonna do something that you don't agree with, and and oftentimes, rather than being in an unbreakable uh, sense of covenant relationship with one another, people will take their marbles and they'll just go home. They're like, no, I'm not gonna play anymore. You know, and I'm not talking about you know, doctrinal heresies. I'm talking about preferences. And, and we'll talk about this later, but, but our preferences are not meant to be precepts, okay? Our preferences are not meant to be the precepts of the Lord, but oftentimes we make our preferences to be the law, and if somebody is not following our preferences, we will then depart. That is not what Jesus um, is talking about here. Um, as a matter of fact, let me, let me go to um, Philippians chapter 1. Because one of the things that we find within the, the rest of the New Testament is that oftentimes the letters that we get from Paul or Peter are almost always talking about this issue of disunity within the body of Christ. Uh, when we think about 1 Corinthians, for example, we think about 1 Corinthians being a letter where Paul is talking about sexual immorality and saying that there's sexual immorality and of the kind that not even the pagans would tolerate. And you guys are allowing it in the body of Christ? You guys need to expel the immoral brother and, and not have anything to do with him, and, but hope, hoping for repentance. And so Paul is saying that there's disunity with regard to morality. Now in 2 Corinthians, he said, you guys took it too far. Like, there's now no forgiveness or opportunities to now be reconciled so that when somebody is rebuked, you may be able to gently restore them into the the body of Christ. And so there's there's difficulty. But in the book of Philippians, what we find in Philippians chapter 1, I I love what it says here uh, when it says um, in Philippians 1 verses 27, he says this, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, and here it is I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. There's this this aspect of, of verse 27, the second part, that he may hear of you standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened by anything, and anything by your opponents. We're not fearful of what others might say, but rather we are, as a church, standing side by side, linking arms with one another, saying that only Jesus saves. There is only one name under heaven whereby we must be saved. There is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in the resurrection, we believe in the virgin birth, We believe in the resurrection of the dead. We believe that Jesus is the only way that we can find salvation. And and brothers and sisters, we link arms there. And we say, yes, we are gonna strive side by side for this gospel. Because it is only in Christ, again, that we find forgiveness, radical forgiveness for our sins. It is only in Christ that the justice of God and the love of God come together. And, and when we think about the, the, the essentials of our faith or the, the core of who we are, we think about this, about Jesus. And brothers and sisters, again, we link arms and we get on the same page and we move out as you know, really the, the army of God you know, to, to bring the message to bear. Now, there is also this, this idea of mission um, this mission between the Father and the Son. So when we think about unity within the Trinity, not only do we think about deep communal fellowship and this unbreakable bond, but we also see this, this mission. And again, we see that in, in Philippians chapter 1. And what we mean by that is that what does the Son yearn to do for the Father? Well, earlier in, in John chapter 17, is my yearning is that I might bring you Glory. We read it in um, other places that I don't do my will, but I want to do my Father's will. What is the Father's will for the Son? The Father's will for the Son is that he might be an atoning sacrifice for the sins of all who would believe. And by believing in this name, that they might be adopted into the family of God and become a part of the family of God. You see, the mission of the Son was a rescue mission for sinners. So that he would take rebels, those who are described as the enemies of God in Romans chapter 5, and then bring them into a life of faith whereby they might be adopted into the family of God. So think about that. A rebel of God, you know, an enemy of God who is now adopted into the family of God and forgiven and loved. That's what the, the son's mission was. And the son did the mission flawlessly, you see that the mission of the son and the mission of the father—you know this—they're unified in their mission and what they want. And we too are called to do that, to be unified in our purpose, to be unified in our proclamation. Um. Just as as an aside, um, isn't it great when you have great unity with um? with those of you who are married, with your spouse. And, and, and you find that even in little things, right? Um, when, when um, for example, I'll give you a, a, a funny example, is, is when uh, my wife and I are going to go out and you say something like, where do you want to go to dinner, right? And, and when they say, and this happens like one out of 100, they say the exact same place that you say you want to go to dinner, And you're like, sweet, we're all good, right? When they say, hey, we want to go to this restaurant, you know, restaurant, and "and you want to go to the same restaurant, and it always happens. But oftentimes, it doesn't happen like that. You go, where do you want to go? Which is often followed up by, I don't care, where would you like to go? And then we get caught into this endless cycle of sort of, you know, well, I know that you have a perspective and I have a perspective. And, and do I, do I foist my preferences upon you? Or do I, do I die to self and get, and do this? Or how do we work it out? Or do we just eat cereal at home and, and just call it a day? You know, I mean, is that, I mean, does that sound, I mean, I might, we might be the only people who do that, but I don't think so, right? I mean, but there are moments where there's unity where there's great unity, and, and again, there's, there's joy in the midst of unity. When you are with your, 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 sp- your spouse, your, your husband or your wife, and there's, and there's great joy that you are actually in lockstep with one another. Um, again, just a, as a small thing, you know, this, this unity of purpose that we have is that we might be um, purposeful, and our unity might be glorifying to the Father. Now, I want you to think about this, um, that, that in verse 22, it says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. Again, you know, when we, the people of God, are, are living in unity, gospel unity, what it means is that we are then become a, a radiant example, this, this manifestation, this visible reminder, this visible glory to the world. And again, from a purpose standpoint, we see this, that in order that they may know you, that, that, that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. So this this idea of unity in the midst of the body is meant to actually be this radiant glory that sort of propels the message of the gospel forward in such a way that the world sees this unity. And and again, what is that unity? This unity looks like love and care and, and mission in the midst of diversity. And they go, what is it about this church, this body of believers that I would want to be a part of this? You see, this is a testimony. Our unity as the body of Christ becomes a testimony to the world. And again, we think about um, this idea of unity. And and I I want you to think about this. Um, One of the membership vows that we actually um, take as a member of the church is this it's the final membership vow. And it's this, and, and oftentimes the first three deal with the Trinity, but the last um, two deal with your relation to the church. So if you remember the church, here, here it is. The, 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 I'll read the last two. Do you promise to, stu- to do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? And but the final one is this: Do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church, and promise? You made a promise here, okay? All of you who are members, you made a promise, okay? And promise to study its purity and peace. That we actually promise as members of the church to study its purity and peace. Now again, I think that we make that vow so that we might be unified in our purposes together. Thomas Manton, who spent uh, many sermons, I think he, he preached 45 sermons on this particular text, he said this, he said, divisions in the church breed atheism in the world. Divisions in the church, because when the world sees the church doing this, they go, I don't want any part of that. I've already got that in my home. I've already got that in my country. I've already got that in my village. I don't want any part of that. But Thomas Manton also said this, And I think this is helpful, and this goes back to the idea of personal holiness. He would say that um, uh, corporate um, unity only comes from individual communion with the Lord. That our corporate unity, meaning our unity together, happens because of individual communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit which is, a, again, a call to holiness for us. Now, the, the issue becomes, and again, I want, I want us to be crystal clear on this, is that we need to be lockstep in the midst of, you know, what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about the core tenets of our faith. And then I want us to not, and this is where I'm just going to offend a bunch of people here now, okay? This is how it's going to happen today. Okay, you know, it's been a good ride, but here it is, okay? You know, you know, our preferences are not the precepts of God, okay? And what happens is, in the midst of our body, we have to make decisions, and oftentimes we have decisions that we don't like what other people do. For example, uh, let me bring up COVID, okay? COVID was very divisive in the context of the body of Christ, COVID was, and and, and quite frankly, the church had no idea what to expect or what to do. It was the first time we had ever dealt with a pandemic before. And so what do we do? Do we open, and all of a sudden questions such as this, what is the role of the state to have to do with the church? Can the state tell the church what to do? And we're wrestling with that. And what was happening was people were saying, like, I don't want the state to have anything to do with it. I think we should follow the state. We think about Romans. Should we, should we follow the leaders? What do we do? How do we do this? Should we mask? Should we uh, not mask? Should we meet? Should we have it on video? Do we meet outside? Where do we go? What do we do? Any of you, does this sound familiar to any of you? All of that is causing or a cause of great disunity within the body. And what I'm telling you is that we need to be in lockstep, and there are going to be decisions that are made at times where where we might not make that decision, and yet rather, here's what happens, rather than, than go to people and talk to them about the decisions that are being made, we grumble or complain or take sides or we leave. That's not the type of unity that Jesus was praying for in John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is meant that we are meant to have communion together that is meant to be unbreakable. Communion that is meant to be sweet. Communion with one another and a unity of purpose and mission and joy and love. You See this? All right, let me, let me, let me. I haven't lost my job yet, let me do another one, all right? How about this one? Everybody has a different perspective of education, right? Everybody has a different perspective on education. Some people, like, send their kids to public schools. Some people send their kids to private schools. Some people send their kids to homeschool. Uh, home you know, some, some people, you know, would send their kids to um, foreign schools, you know, like, like boarding schools. I, I don't think we have any boarding school people here, maybe. Um, but essentially, all of a sudden, that issue becomes this issue where we're like, if you don't believe like I do, then you're wrong. You're wrong. I mean, think about that. I mean, is there multiple ways that we can sort of skin a cat? I don't mean that, in a, in, you know, but anyway, you know, um, there, there are multiple ways. And yet, within our own pride, within our own arrogance, there are times where we will say, no, this is the way that this has to be done. Brothers and sisters, that's not a unity. You know, I mean, like, I, I, I've seen this occur, not necessarily in our church, but in other churches where people are at odds with regard to school choice you know, and, and where we're, we're going to go, all right? Like, that's not meant to be like that. You know, we should be able to have, you know, conversations about those things. We should be able to, to talk about these things. We should, we should say, how best can I build the kingdom of God right now? What's the best use for me? What do I do? And, I, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to go about that. Now, some of you are like, no, 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 George, you don't understand. There's just one way. And I'm like, at that point, I would say, you know, is your heart hard with regard to these things? Now, um, all right, let, let's talk about politics for a second, okay? Because why not, right? <laughs> I've already put my toe in it. We might as well just jump right in, right? Right? Yeah, we're about to have an election coming up, right? And there are going to be people who say, there's no way in the world I could vote for, you know, whoever it might be. Let's say, there's no way I can, I can vote for Trump because of his character flaws and all of the other things. I think he's a terrible man. And there's other people who could say, I don't know how a Christian could vote for Joe Biden, right? And what will happen is, in the midst of this election, and, and maybe the, either, neither of them will be there. You know, maybe it'll be Newsom, or maybe it'll be, you know, Kennedy, or maybe it'll be, you know, um, um, you know, Scott or DeSantis or something like that. But here's what happens in the body, is in the body, rather than actually talking, we'll talk over each other or we won't talk at all. And we will begin to think poorly of somebody else. And we do that because, you know, really, there's, there's sin bound up within us. The devil wants to destroy the unity of the church. And, and the world wants to tear down the church as well. I mean, we see that, Right? I mean, this is why Jesus actually prays for you and me today that we would have unity. Please let us have unity in the midst of this. Please let us uphold the name of Christ and let us go out on, on a unified mission, And regardless of your political stance. By the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm still in progress. I am a work in progress, as are all of you. You are all a work of progress. Like, nobody here is yet glorified. Nobody. Because you wouldn't be here. You would not be here. So we're all in process here. So can we please, again, I think there's this, this idea that we are meant to, yes, be intelligent, you know, to be thoughtful. We want to be biblical. We want to understand. But but again, you know, when, I, when again I think about politics, and I, and I think about, you know, yes, we, we, we as a church, we want to uphold life, but we also want to uphold justice, and we also want to steward the earth, and we also want to care for the poor. We also want to uphold biblical marriage. All of these things, right? You know, you know there's no perfect candidate. Y- y'all know that, right? <laughs> there's some deeply flawed men and women running for office, deeply flawed, none of which are named Jesus, okay? But as the people of God, we want to have a unified purpose. We want to be the people that actually bring the gospel message to bear. Now, I think that there are a couple things that I want to say um, because this might be my last sermon. So, you you know, oftentimes, When we pass judgment upon one another, it's because of pride, right? Like, it's because of pride. And and again, in in Philippians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. You know, Paul, when he talks about this, you know, striving together, he goes to Philippians chapter 2, and he he says, you know, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain or, or, or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Brothers and sisters, oftentimes this, this idea of pride, when, when we go to talk with our brothers and sisters, are we thinking more about them than we are about ourselves? Uh, anybody here just love to win all the time? And if you can't win an argument, you'll just talk louder? Or are you around those kind of people sometimes? I mean, I, I struggle with that because I, you know, I have a pride and I want to win. Now, the, the other thing that happens in, in the midst of, of, of this is that you know, I think that people oftentimes are disunified or, or don't have unity not because they're proud but because they're insecure. That, that rather than, than um, having a conversation, they would rather bring someone else down a level... And we think about that in, in the book of Galatians where it talks about provoking and envying others, that we would rather, because we're insecure about who we are, we want to drag someone else down so that we feel like we're on par with them. We see you know, this idea of, of disagreement oftentimes will, will spread from pride. It also spreads from insecurity. Um, and oftentimes we will not, uh, we will even you know, maybe put other people down um, so that we feel good about ourselves. Um, now, um, I, I don't want us to, to, to get to a point where we feel like we can't correct someone, though, all right? Because there are times in our life where we need accountability, but not judgment, if that makes sense. There, there, there are opportunities within our life where we need brothers and sisters who will, and I'm, I'm thinking of 2 Timothy Uh, Chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, where it says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. So, So the question becomes, you know, Are we working in step with the Spirit? And when we see correction that needs to be offered, are we doing so with great love and relationship and humility? And we do it with kindness. And um, we don't do it, um, just so you know. Um, We don't bring about correcting um, our... um, this is my perspective right now, but I think it's a biblical perspective. Again, we do correction in the midst of relationship, love, and humility. We don't do it on social media. You know, Twitter or X or whatever, I mean, that is a, that is a harmful platform for us to just kind of spew out whatever we want to do. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it might be. I mean, when we bring about correction, I mean, how, how many of you have been, you know, like... <laughs> I pause to even say this right now, but how many of you have had your persuasions changed because of what someone said in a 100 characters on Twitter? How often does your perspective change because of what you read on social media? But how often does your perspective change when somebody who loves you will sit down and eat a meal with you, express concern... Over maybe the cliff that you're about to go over because of something you've done. I mean, think about that. That's what's meant by the unity. Now, I, I, I want to close the sermon in this way. The, the. The idea is that all of this is bound in love. Even our correction is bound in love. Our unity is bound in love. Notice what it says. Um, There's three different places in this section. In verse 23, it says, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. I want you to think about that, brothers and sisters, that the God of the universe, because of your belief in Jesus, loves you like he loves his son. Like we're unified in purpose and and what motivates us and drives us is the love of the Father in the Son. We also see, he says this, um, he says, um, in, oh, there's, there's one in verse 24 that talks about, because you love me before the foundation of the world, and that Jesus is actually longing that, the, that his disciples, and, and even we, think about this, in verse 24, it says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, meaning us, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me. Because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. There's this longing that Jesus is saying, I long for the day when all of us will be together at the great wedding feast of the Lamb in heaven and they will see my glory. The glory that I had before the foundation of the world. There's this yearning that that, that Jesus would would manifest his love for us and that we would see the glorified son of the living God. God. Any of you, uh, <laughs> any of you ever think about, you know, like when you have children and you get to the point where your older children, or your, especially your older sons, I'm talking about fathers and, and sons now, you know, specifically, uh, when sons become stronger than their dad, you know, and they can like maybe hit a ball further than their dad, or they can hit a golf ball further than their dad, and there's great shame and joy intermixed there. <laughs> great shame and joy, Right? And and you think about this, man, if my children could only have seen me in the glory of my youth, where I was certainly stronger, better looking, and better at all things than them. But they don't. They see us where we are now, broken and battered and weary from raising these children, right? (laughs) But Jesus says that, that he longs that, that they would see his glory. But then again in verse 26, at the last part, look, look at this. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. That the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, might reside within us, and that the love of the Father, which has loved the Son, may be in us. And, and brothers and sisters, through the transforming power of the gospel, we see the love of God working in us for us to love others around us. One of the marks of a Christian is that you're not in love with yourself as much as you love the people around you. And that's a struggle, right? Because I don't know about you, but I love me some me. But through the Spirit's work in our lives, we begin to get outside of ourselves and love others around us. Now, in front of us today and every week, which is, is a sweet thing, we see the love of Christ. And we see his body given for us. We see this blood as the new covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. We, we read about that in 1 Corinthians 11. We see this bread represents his body, which is given for you, and we see, we see this cup, which is the new covenant, and His blood was shed so that we might be forgiven. Brothers and sisters, I pray that as we commune here, that we would be unified, that this would be a unifying table of the Lord for us. Again, this always remains bread. This always remains juice. But the Lord does show up spiritually in a way where he pours forth grace upon grace to his people, renews our faith, strengthens our faith, and builds us up so that we can love each other well. We can love each other well so well that we can overlook some of the differences that are external so that we can move forward in a unified mission together. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we are grateful that we get to come as the body of Christ, as the family of God, and that you unify us by the love of Jesus Christ. Father, would you help us? Would you help us to to trust you and to believe in you and to lay aside foolish differences that are not essential to the gospel? And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bless us as, as, as a body as we partake. Father, as often as we take this bread and drink this juice, Father, we proclaim your, Lord, your, your death until he comes again. Father, may our proclamation be one of unity and love for Jesus and for one another. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.